What up, Fatherhoods Nation? If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. They've got ill creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Not only that, but Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and all that. You can make a little paper from your podcast too with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one spot. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Yo, be a father. If not, why bother, son? A boy can make him, but a man can raise one. Be a father to your child. Be a father to your child. This is KGB. What up, it's DJ EFN. Yo, what up? This is Manny Digital. Welcome to the Fatherhoods Podcast. Bing! What's going on, fellas? Digital. Our intros suck. Yeah, when are we going to do that? We keep saying, yeah, we're going to get it. Yeah, I was going to create something, but I haven't had time. Come on. I actually have the pieces, a couple of the pieces sitting on my computer, and I've been trying to carve out some time to actually get it done, but... In true fatherhood fashion, <laughs> shit just falls shit to the wayside. Just doesn't get done. <laughs> yeah. Shit just doesn't get done. So what's going on, Manny? What's going on, KGB? You know, living the dream, man. Is that what, is that what it is? Yeah. Manny, you look a little stressed over there. I, I, <laughs> I am. I'm a little you stressed. You see Manny? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little stressed, but not but not what what you think it is. I'm I'm actually thinking more about like all right, like all right. You know how we always talk about funding always just comes you know sporadically. You can never count on it when you're like in the game we're playing. So that's been heavy on my mind, and you know I got a lot of things happening, but it's like seeds spread everywhere. So I'm trying to see when the fuck these things are gonna start to sprout. So I got you know. trying to play chess a little bit with like money moves and try to figure out how to make sure I get some some stuff coming in but on top of that so I guess on the bright side my wife just started working after almost six years not working so she's been yeah she's been stay at home for that long since my son was born and um and she's I mean she's yo the luckiest woman in the world because she like applied for something online like not even they're gonna say because of you nah (laughs) (laughs) i'm like don't let her hear that (laughs) and um she just applied randomly to some something on like indeed.com and they responded like immediately and she got like the lady called her you know it's usually like a screener or whatever but no she called her heard what my wife had to say and then hired her on the spot and it was like you start wednesday and that was like that was on a Monday. So she's like, you start Wednesday. And so this is my second Wednesday. So she's working one day a week now for a couple, you know, like a month or so just to get her, her training wheels and stuff. Mm-hmm. But today was the second day where she's been out of the house the whole day from like 630 in the morning till, you know, six, almost time, almost now to about almost 7 p.m. And it's it's. Usually both of us here, but she kind of does a lot of the, you know, stuff, the routine stuff for the kids. Corralling? 
<laughs> corralling, <laughs> taking them to different places, all this stuff. Right. And now I'm filling those shoes, you know, on this day of the week. And it was, it was like, I've mentally prepared myself. Last week, I, I didn't do that. I was like, all right, I'm going to try to get some work done. Yeah. My, you know, when my daughter takes a nap, yada, yada. And it, it just failed. Like, I found myself getting really frustrated every time I even tried to pick up the phone to send a text or, or an email or whatever. So I, I decided yesterday, I was like, yo, I'm not doing anything that is not involving my daughter and or the rest of the kids when they come home from school. And for the most part, that kept it really calm and low-key. Like, I focused on just my daughter when she was here, uh, when, when she was the only one in the house. And she wanted to play. She wanted to cuddle. She wanted to take a nap. She wanted to eat. I was just at her beck and call. And that has been a big difference. Like, I've learned so much in, like, <laughs> two instances being by myself. And, and now I'm like, yo, I always knew this. Like, people would always ask me, like, what does your wife do? And, you know, the the answer, I mean, yeah, she's, she's a stay-at-home mom. And I stopped saying that because it makes it seem like she doesn't do anything. Like, she has it easy, right? Right. And I knew that Which from... It's not the case. Yeah. It's definitely not the case. And I've known that for years, but I'm really feeling it now more... You know, it's been like six years since we've had to deal with one of us only taking over while the other one's at work. So it's it's been an interesting learning experience, especially today, but... I, I don't know. I don't know where it's going to go, bro. Because one day we're both going to be having to leave them somewhere. And luckily we have my mom and, you know, other people. But that we don't we're trying not to disrupt their routine too much. Right. Now, it was did, did she want to go back to work? Was this something that or was it just like, hey, one of us has got to do it? Or did, was it something she wanted to do? Yeah, no, she's we've been talking about it for a long time. And this just felt like the right moment uh, to do to go ahead and do it and for her because she's in the medical field so for her like to to pay for all these credentials that you need to have every year it's kind of a waste if you're not utilizing them and so Mm -hmm. she's been keeping up with it and all that so now she's actually putting it to use and and she i mean for me i've always been pushing her because i'm like if the if the roles were reversed the lack of social contact with other human beings where i can actually use my brain for things other than parenting is necessary. And yeah. she's been able to live life happily without that. And I'm like, but then, you know, close to the time she started working, she's, I, I felt like she started to get that itch. Like she wanted to, you know, do her, you know, do back, go back into her craft and start doing what she was, you know, normally doing. So, you know, she's, she's enjoying the ride so far. So she came back feeling like it was the right decision and she was happy to be back. Yeah, her her first in the workflow. Her first day back, she was like, I feel this sense of calm like when I'm at work because mm-hmm. I, know, I know you're taking care of things and I don't have to think about it. And in the past, like she's always in the back of her mind it's always been like, Oh, something with the kid, da 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 da. But now it's I don't know, I guess she trusts me now. <laughs> and so it's it's a whole different ballgame for her. So she's enjoying like relearning certain things and then getting back out there and applying them. We're starting to have that same conversation over here, which is in my mind, I'm telling my girl, I feel a little bit premature about it. She wants to go back to work. Um, and my thing is like, I don't feel comfortable yet 
leaving our daughter with like because she was saying so i was like you know how where are we going to leave our daughter she's like well there's perfectly good daycares which i mean i've heard people say that they left their kids as babies in these daycares that you know they researched and they're in the area and they felt comfortable with that but um i'm not feeling very comfortable with it yet and so i'm just i'm telling her like i think we should hold off another year at the least that our daughter can maybe speak and 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 you know perfectly walk at least and can at least say something you know if something is wrong and wherever she's at or whoever she's with or even more so just get some kind of a uh like a like a person to take care of her that we we, we learn to trust that comes to the home. Yeah, and get a nanny, hire right, a nanny like, to come to the crib instead of right. Yeah, she's she's too young to be to. No, for sure. And I refer to you guys a lot, Kay. Um, but you know, I understand my girl's position where she she wants to you know kind of have her own independence in terms of financially and going out there and and you know because she was working before the baby. So, so this is new to her, you know, she, she was making, always making her own money. She had, she was already, already, you know, always financially independent. So it's, I get it. And, you know, and I'm, you know, and I'm typical, I would imagine a typical person, you know, you're always like, kind of like counting everything as you're, you know, as you're spending it. And, and if it's not you spending it, you kind of count a little bit more. So, you know, she's like, "Ah, I don't want to, you know, feel like I have to ask you for anything. So I'd rather just be able to, you know, work and pay for my own stuff and, and do my own things. And I, and I get it completely, but I'm like, I'd rather us both struggle with that between each other as adults for a little bit longer. You know, not to say that she's not worried and she would just, you know, I don't want to make it seem like she would just give my daughter up to <laughs> She's ready to just drop the baby. Off. <laughs> no, she's later. not. Because if anybody's <laughs> more protective than anyone of our daughter, it, it's it's my girl. Yeah. Right. But, um, but she, you know, she's, she, yeah, she's looked at some daycares and she feels comfortable with them. And, and I'm just like, the daycare might be fine and the people might be okay people, but you just never know who might come in and out of those doors or even a kid that's older, you know, you just don't yeah. know. Yep. And our daughter isn't vocal enough yet, you know, or aware enough yet to be able to tell us if something is wrong, you know, even at, even a, a two-year-old probably isn't even there yet, but yeah. At two years old, you know, we can gauge it another year. Like, I'm like, let's just wait another year. And if anything, yeah, you can get a job. And maybe we find someone that comes to the home. And I could be, you know, since I'm at home a lot working from home, that's the way we kind of started. And when we feel comfortable, then I can maybe start to leave the house a little bit more in short, you know, spurts. Or if I have to go out of town or whatever. But, um, but yeah, that's that's where we're at as well. Yeah. Yeah, I'd recommend the in-home care, especially when they're that young. If you can pull it off and, you know, you find someone that, that you guys trust and kind of clicks with how you guys want things to go down in your house with your kid. Right. So, yeah, I would. I, I'd, if she really has the, the itch and wants to just jump back in it sooner than later, then that, that's I would recommend that's the way to go. Uh, yeah, and, and, I, and I think it's just a matter of finding that person. And, and that's where I think the trouble is, like, how do you identify and find the right person? Um, it's a lot, at least for what we, I mean, we did that. We basically did because um, we were both out working um, up to a certain point. And then I transitioned to, to being able to work from home. But we still had someone coming to the house because um, you just can't get any work done other, <laughs> otherwise. Right. 
Um, but yeah, I, so I don't even know a lot how, of it was. I don't know how you do it even with a person tending to your child in the house, because that for me still is a bother. I think it's some it's it's a frame of mind at that point. You just have to put yourself in. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a lot. Referral is probably your best friend with that. Just asking around other families and friends that you know, and if they have if they have nannies or or babysitters or whatever, then you kind of start using their network of people and interview them and bring them in and see how they see how they uh, interact with your with your kid and that generally will show a lot like your kid will basically say this person's not going to be the one <laughs> you know like, right, that right. happened with my son like we had a we had a nanny at first she was coming and then um we actually ended up having a falling out with her and then she just dipped one day and and then we were like oh fuck man we didn't just... how do you have a falling out with a nanny you know some <laughs> Some it was just some street shit, you know. What I'm <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he was repping a different set, and it wasn't. You know. <laughs> Yo. Shit came to a head. <laughs> Nanny beef. Wait, Wait how do you how do you get how did you guys end it? Like, what was that final she blow? Wa- she walked out. She she left. Word? She left midday. Yeah, her and my wife got into it. Um, oh damn! What? Um, yeah. Yep. But was it a personality thing or something that she did to your son? No, it was it was kind of personality. So what happens is, I guess, you know, some nannies, caretakers, whatever the phrase you want to use, that you know, they they create their own bonds with with the kids, and then um, you know, some of them are going to be a little bit more stubborn and kind of strong willed or have their own ideas of how you know how the kids should get taken care of, and they might not listen to what the parents want them to do right right that's where you run into issues like they might have the best intentions but uh, ultimately you know as a parent you know you're you're the boss it's your kid this is how you know this is how it should run and so we were all actually all sick we were all home sick my wife was home sick i was sick son was sick and long story short basically it, near the end of the day middle of the day what i can't remember what it was uh, my son wanted to actually go outside, just get some fresh air. He was starting to feel a little bit better. My wife asked the nanny to to take him outside and ride his scooter up and down the street. And then she she told she told my wife no, like no, he's gets it, it's going to be too much trouble. It's going to be too dangerous. He's not, you know he's not going to listen. And then my wife said no, take him out please. Tell him if he doesn't listen, then he has to come back inside. And then, um, and then she refused and said some shit basically like, that's not the way I'm teaching him, you know, some shit like that. <laughs> and, and then, and then it went totally downhill from there. And then, uh, she ended up storming out and never came back. Your and, ladies, uh, your ladies from New York originally, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It was on, she son! Was, yeah. She wasn't having any of that shit. Yeah, <laughs> so, <babe>. Nope. <clears throat> so, um. Yeah, so it ended pretty badly, and then my son was looking around like, "Where'd she go? What just happened?" <laughs> Damn, she lost her friend. No. Yeah, I mean, yeah. friend. Tell yeah, your wife yeah. I'm, I'm high fiving her virtually. Right now. <laughs> yeah, so that you know that ended abruptly, and then and then we were basically like in a lurch, like we didn't have family close by. Um, you know, we're both working, trying to figure out who's gonna 
watch my son and you know we both basically had to kind of like take turns and do different stuff and all the while start interviewing for new new nannies uh, and like people would come over and my son would just like he would not have a just would not have a good reaction wouldn't want to interact with them wouldn't want to talk to them they'd leave that's not that person's not coming to help (laughs) you know i'm not gonna hang out with that person at all you know, just crying. And then one day, uh, you know, another woman came in and he was all about it. It was like, this is her. This is my new friend. <laughs> <That was weird. laughs> Let me ask you this, though, because, you know, kids can can change like the weather sometimes, too. Yeah. So he might like her one day or even for, for a good stretch. Was there ever a day that he was like, oh, I don't you know, she made me mad or she pissed no. me off or no. uh-uh. he didn't like that. She told him to do something. No, no, mm. never. No. So he never, like, misbehaved with her? I mean, he may have misbehaved, but also uh, generally when it's someone else kind of helping with the raising, they're going to be less strict with things unless the parents are like, oh, you got 100% do carte blanche or whatever in terms of, you know, disciplining. and Wagata. Yeah. (laughs) But, nah, he was always super, super happy and, you know. That kind of thing. Um, so yeah, you just have to, you know, you have to see how they interact with, with the kids. And you, you had nannies at the age where he was starting to learn how to walk. Um, yeah, I believe so. Um, yeah, yeah. Because like, how, how was that? Because like right now, my daughter, she's like Dora the Explorer, wanting to go into every nook and cranny of the house. You know, holding on, grabbing things. She she wants to grab everything off the desk or off the furniture and throw it around. And I mean, you know, you, you know we're what, having but, trouble keeping. You know, she's like a little Tasmanian devil right now. Here's the thing: if you end up hiring a, a good nanny, um, a lot of them have experience. Like they've they've helped right. raise and taken care More of experience a, than us, yeah, than a lot of kids. Yeah. So, you know, again, it's like you got to find someone who's kind of conducive and flows with with your frame of thought and, and way of parenting and and you could definitely learn things from them it's just as long as they kind of respect and understand that you're the parent and um so it can be helpful it can be a good situation it just kind of you know obviously cost is always an issue with this stuff right. and and um and then just learning and, to and the transitional period of getting to like feel comfortable with the person yeah and again for me the the kind of the saving grace for it all was that that I was home, like I was home a lot of the time, because um, it, it didn't feel good when we first both went back to work, and then it's like, damn, even we're we're happy, we were happy that we were able to keep our son at home, but it also felt kind of we felt like shit, like damn, we were both out of the house, and you know, effectively a stranger is just taking care of him the whole, <laughs> you know, the whole day. Yeah. So for I, both of you, a lot, a lot, sorry, a lot sorry, of people. Man. A lot of people, you know, don't don't have the, uh, you know, there's no option one way or another, and that's just what it is. So, at what what ages did you guys start to put them in preschool or daycare or something like? Four, for both of you guys. At age four, four for you. Yeah. Okay. And you? Three. Three. Okay. Yeah. We would have uh-huh. done three if they would have allowed them, but they had like a they had to be potty trained situation because we're mm-hmm. not as fortunate as K. Um, Ooh, that's another thing too. Some oh, wait, strangers changing diapers. I don't know about that. Four. 
It was either three or four. I'm trying to. He did three years of of uh, preschool. Well, Kay, Kay's kid came out potty trained. Yeah, he was good. <laughs> was good. So there's no worries there. I would say, uh, E, for you, I would say, don't. I mean, it's hard because your, your lady wants to get back into the workforce, and you want to encourage that. Because, like I said before, if it, if it was me, I'll be going batshit. Not because I'm taking care of my kid, but because I don't feel like my brain is growing. Like I need to yeah, have no, adult, you know, adult it's conversation. Like a, a version of cabin fever. Right. For sure. Right. A hundred percent, man. Like I, I, like what we've talked about with me and inspiration, blah, blah. Like I, I have it all the time. Like I get it. And so I'm, I'm totally understanding and respectful of what, why she wants to go out there and right. work again. It's just, you know, what's best for, for our daughter and financially, you know, what are we looking like, like right now? And if we can afford it right now, you know, let's just try to hold off if we can. You know? Should we get a uh, a mom's opinion on this? Yeah, and see what a working mom, see what she was doing. Right. All right. Let's bring on our guest. All right. So with us now, we've got uh, Ebony Underwood. She might be a very familiar name to those in the social justice arena. Um, she founded an organization called We Got Us Now, which uh, I have to say I am a board member of, full disclosure. And uh, she's spent a career in the music industry, and we'll allow her to kind of delve into that, what she was doing. But right now she is the CEO of We Got Us Now, which supports children of incarcerated parents. And uh, it's a very noble and very needed cause out there. So to the show, we welcome. Oh, and sorry, she's also a parent. Uh, <laughs> right, very, very important. <laughs> uh, we welcome to the show Ebony Underwood. Thank you so much for inviting me, guys. Thank you. Thank right. you for joining us. So, Eb, let's let's get the qualifier out of the way. You're a mom um, of what age child? Oh man! Yeah. Really, I gotta say, I gotta say the age. You don't have to, but so my, I, I want my, you to. If you forgot, it's okay. Is- yeah, I forgot. My son is my son is a, my son is a teenager. Um, yeah, I have a I have a teenager, so I I don't have a little kid. I have um, I'm not I'm on the next phase of parenting, mm. actually. Yeah, it's interesting. Very interesting. And and what uh tell us a little bit about your hip hop days because I know for me it's all scattered, but um I, I think it's a very interesting story and some of the friends you picked up along the way, namely one of us here on the show. Actually, I guess two, but. Really, one at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I <laughs> my hip hop days. So, I grew up in the music <laughs> industry. <laughs> my, my dad was uh, a manager, a promoter, um, uh, a publisher in the entertainment business. Um, he discovered Johnny Gill, helped Johnny Gill get with uh, Do Edition, um, promoted records from Guy to Earth, Wind, and Fire to Wham. I mean, pop, rock, and roll. Everything, R&B, jazz, everybody from Ray Charles, Michael Jackson, the Jacksons, everybody. Yeah, hardly nobody we know. Everywhere. Yeah, yeah. My dad was very, very much immersed into the music business. Um, all that to say that, of course, that you know gave me the bug. I, I grew up in and around music, so I've always wanted to uh, be a part of it. And um, you know, just trying to discover my ways in getting there in the process. Uh, what did I do? So I, I, uh, I worked for a couple of record labels. I worked for, uh, Universal initially, and then went on to work with, uh, 
uh, SRC and Loud Records and um, and then went on to work for Sony and then worked with, uh, eventually there was a wave of, I guess Napster had come in and um, there was a wave of just the industry just changing with technology and not knowing what to do. And so in that process, Ludacris's management Ludacris had come about and his manager and I were, were neighbors and he knew that I, um, working on the SRC side of things, um, which was a marketing company that was like the sister company to loud records. And, uh, he knew I had a lot of relationships. And so he was just like, Ab, I need your help with, um, trying to promote, you know, this artist that I'm working with. And long story short, um, it was Ludacris and Ludacris became very popular and we were able to to uh, garner him a lot of attention, as we all know, he's very—he's <laughs> now this very famous person. But yeah, I work with him. I work for TLC. I work with um, Wu Tang, Mob Deep, um, Crazy Hood Productions, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fat Joe, uh, Big Pun, man, everybody. Uh, Violator Records and all the artists there, from LL to Missy to uh, Busta to Tribe Called Quest. Damn! All right, I now mean, you, now you're stunting. Yeah. Now you're stunting. Now you're stunting. <laughs> <laughs> So wait, so I mean, promoting and marketing those people always, you know, just that right. was part of a large part of what I did in the music industry was marketing promotions. And where, where in that journey did you have your son? Oh no, I had my son. So okay, so towards the end. So once I was working with Ludacris for a while, again, I was saying the industry changed. So I had my son like right towards the end of when the industry was changing. And I thought that, you know, I have a son and I'd be able to get right back to work. I did not have any idea what type of mother that I would actually become. I had no idea what motherhood really um, entailed. And I didn't know my, I didn't know how I would actually become I mean, motherhood parenthood changes you completely so i had no idea or grasp i just thought oh i'd be this working mother i could just have my nanny with me i had this whole vision of what it would look like and you have um, your nanny with you yeah <laughs> yeah like tra- that's what I mean. yeah like traveling yeah, with uh-huh, me yeah like yep. traveling hey, with me you know, <laughs> yeah i just i always thought that that would be the case um and that i just thought it would be seamless i, th- I thought it would be like it's just an easy transition no What were the, what were the roadblocks or the stumbling blocks for you? Uh, So first and foremost, um, my son's father and I separated while I was pregnant. That was a big like doozy for me and just kind of threw me off course. Um, I never saw myself as a single mom. So that was a big deal. And then once my son was actually born, wow. I turned into like, you don't realize that as a woman, I can speak from as a woman, how connected your body, it's literally like a machine, like how connected your body is to this experience. So I didn't know I would be nursing. I ended up nursing. Um, and I mean, literally you would, as when the baby's crying, your breasts would fill up. Like it's, 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 it's incredible. It's an incredible experience. Like, there's no way I could ever fully explain the experience of becoming a parent. And I was so attached to my child that there was no way I was ever going to leave him with anybody that I just couldn't see it. So <laughs> thankfully I had the support of my family and I was able to stay home um, 
for the first few years of his life where I didn't have to rush back into work because, um, and I don't think that I would have, I would have found some kind of way to actually just be home with my child, which I think is really, really important. I think it's really important to spend quality time um, with your children in the first, first year. How did you feel when you got back to work? I mean, were you, uh, I mean, did you have any inclination? Did you, were you feeling like, man, I, I got to just get back in the mix a little bit? Or was it when you did get back in the mix, did you feel like, damn, I wish I was home right now? Yeah, did you get no, the itch? So, yeah, so I, yeah, I did get the itch. I did get the itch mainly because, of course, you know, you have to support your child and you want to give everything that you can to your child. So for me, it started, I, I didn't do the traditional route. So it was like consulting work. So I was doing like consulting gigs here and there um, and trying to um, within the music industry and then trying to figure out what I was going to do. And then I realized that, you know what, I had been so immersed. I I didn't take this into account when I was initially in the business, but I had worked really closely with a lot of attorneys and I saw that I was really interested in law. So um, I decided to go back to school. And um, and one of the major reasons why is because I'm like, what is my son going to say, you know, that his mother does like what am I doing I'm like doing this consulting but I need to have a real job like I need to have like something tangible that I can you know that he can be proud of like what am I what is what did his mom do yeah I worked in the music industry and that was cool or whatever but like I wanted to be able to say you know what no I'm doing this so I decided to go back to school went back to school and uh, got into this program um, this law program pre-law program through a really prestigious law firm called Skadden Arps. And while there, I learned so much about the law. Um, and I just knew that I was going to become a lawyer. And it was it was nice because as my son was going into school, he started to say, yeah, mom, you're studying and I'm studying and I want to become a lawyer too. And it was, it was, it was a good experience, not only for him, but also my nephew. I set an example and set like a tone for them both. Um, to know that, you know what, no matter what age, you know, you don't give up on your education. Education is the foundation of the way that we raised our children, my sister and I. And, um, you know, even me, I was raised in that same way too. My parents are really adamant about education and it's like the keystone to upward mobility, I believe, um, in life. So, so went back to Ed, school, got my education. Yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt. <laughs> uh, no I, problem. I, I wanted to ask, cause I mean, you, you're talking about, you know, going down the law route because you want to have give your son something, you know, I guess prestigious or something that that you can he can be proud or of to look up to, right? Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. so that just got me thinking, like probably a good time for you to talk about kind of how your dad, it seems like, kind of was that for you in many respects, and I, I wanted to understand a little bit more about that parental dynamic between your father and and his children, you namely. Yeah. So my father was, uh, he's a really interesting person, very much about, um, very, very educated guy. So he grew up in, um, Harlem, New York and, um, in a really bad rough neighborhood here, um, at the time back in the sixties, fifties, sixties. And, um, you know, as a teenager, I guess in the late sixties, early seventies, he said he was just surrounded and surrounded by drugs and things. And he was really, really intelligent though. Um, always was like just a very brilliant person. Um, had the opportunity to go to Columbia university, went to Columbia university, um, for about a year and then, uh, met a student while at Columbia university and (laughs) 
interestingly enough, it was a guy that was a promoter in jazz. And then my father was like, oh, my God, he I think he read in like Jet Magazine that I could always get an honorary degree. So he said, I'll come back to school. And, and, and it was just like, I love this music stuff. Like, this is what I want to get into. So I, I completely related to him in that way. Um, but also really, you know, all my whole life, I was always told that, you know, he was educated and that I had to educate. I got skipped up a couple of grades when I was younger. So I, that I had the education uh, bug like he did. And that, um, you know, I, I don't know. We just had, we had a lot of commonalities and a lot of sim- similarities. And I guess I could kind of get into this. Um, when he got arrested, my father got arrested back in 1988. When he got arrested, that completely just turned my world upside down because First of all, I was like, how? And then why? And then just like so angry about the whole experience, just devastated and angry. Um, but as I became an adult, and now that it's been like 30 years that he's been incarcerated, he's never once stopped being a father. Um, you know, he's in federal prison. Um, he was uh, caught up in some drug conspiracy um, back in the late 80s one of the first round of convictions that was made under the so-called war on drugs, which we now know today was absolutely put together and it's not a real thing. And it was a war on black people, black and Brown people. And um, yeah, so he, he had never stopped fighting. Um, and it was through his education that, um, you know, I, I that uh, I think that I believe that's a, a large part of why he still is, um, still in the throes of fighting and, and, and still has even motivated people to advocate for on his behalf, as well as us as his children. So me in particularly, um, me looking at him and him just being uh, a model, not only as a father, but as, a, as an educator, as a very stern father, as a very stern educator, as a very, uh, uh, a person that is adamant about education. He doesn't, he does not use curse words. He always uses really big, um, <laughs> has a big, very large vocabulary. Would, would, and he, always would, would he get offended if I met him and he started, I started cursing? Cause I, I can't control myself. Uh, I don't think he would get, you know, he's at the end of the day, he is from, he is from, he is yeah, from, but that's intimidating uh, to me. When you get, so, Ebony, do you, you remember that when, when you and I were working, on stuff back in the days, I your dad, like, I don't know if he, he made it happen, but I had to talk to him in order to work with you. Uh, he had to yeah, vet you? Probably. Yeah, <laughs> my, my dad was I felt about just as, 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 like, the guy going to the house to, like, take a girl on a date. <laughs> I felt just intimid- as intimidated on the phone with the dude. And he was legit. Yeah, he Everything was she's saying, like, he, he, he was totally legit about it, and, and he was asking me questions and just, and very intelligent, and and being that parent from where he was at, you know? Yeah. And he didn't threaten you? Because, like, even if I'm dating nah, somebody nah, for nah. business, I'll be like, nah, you try to threat. fuck he, my daughter over, But he was son? stern. He was stern okay. in what he was telling me. Okay. Like, basically, what I got is don't fuck with my, my daughter. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> without, without that F word dropping at all. <laughs> right. He didn't have to say that. <laughs> so what, what do you look for based on, you know, your respect and admiration for your dad? What do you look for in terms of what a father should be or, or how, what's your son's dad been like? And has he been in the picture and, and is he living up to kind of what, what you would expect a father should do? Damn. 
so my 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 father is uh is exceptional <laughs> he's an exceptional person um I would you know thinking back you know even dating before I even had a, a child you know I would measure many people to my to my dad and I realized that you know he's just an exceptional person and that this is the framework in which I've come from um but I have more uh I guess uh I don't, I don't hold people to, to the standard that he is. Um, definitely. Um, he is somebody that I would hope that I can, um, he definitely influenced me in the way that I relate to, um, men, me and him are very close. We have a very close relationship and because of our own relationship, I, I think it's helped me to understand people, uh, you know, understand people's flaws, understand particularly men, um, their flaws and um, being able to forgive. You know, again, I said I was angry. I was angry as a child and as a teenager and even as a young adult because of the experience of having a parent incarcerated. And so, you know, and I didn't really have an avenue to express that. Um, but I have to say that he was just very consistent and now in the way that I see what's important to me, um, for me just in, and, and even in the young people that I talk to and even the fathers that I've talked to about this experience, cause now I, I, you know, I run this organization called we, we got us now, which is really centered around, um, building community and safe and inclusive spaces for children of incarcerated parents. A lot of what, um, I share with the fathers is that they should just be as consistent as possible, regardless if you're incarcerated or not. Like right. the thing about my dad, why I respect him so much and why I do hold him in such high regard is that, like I said, during the times when I was angry, I couldn't call him, you know, I couldn't call him. I couldn't reach out to him. It was him that was just when days when he was angry at me um, and when days when there was, when I was angry at him, some days I chose not to answer the phone. Some, he still called like the now as an adult in retrospect, I'm like, damn, I can't, you know, I can't even imagine. And who knows what he, he was in federal prison. So who knows? And in maximum security federal prison. So who knows, you know, like what he was going through on a day-to-day basis, but regardless of that, he still made his children a priority. Mm -hmm. And that to me speaks volumes about the type of man, the type of father that he um, was. And he said that it's a testament to who his father was and how his father um, was very consistent in his life. And so I just think that we need those examples. You know, when it comes down to my son's father, he did not have his father um, in the way that I had my father. And so I realized that I can't put those same um, assumptions on how he should behave as a father if he didn't have the, you know, understanding of what that looks like. But at the same time, not to um, let him get away with anything either, just to kind of share with him, but not demean him. You know, now I've learned not to do that, but to, to be more, you know, do it in a more uplifting way or understanding way. Not that he listens to me, but, um, <laughs> you know, try to share as much as possible that I can, um, just in my experience as a daughter from that experience. But then it's a son and a father. So, I, you know, at the end of the day, I let them kind of just have their relationship and pray for the best with that. How what, what, what's your son's take on your dad's situation? How does what what does he know about it, and how does he? I guess it's just normal to him at this point, right? 
Yeah, so he's known, you know, his entire life. He's, you know, I've never hid, hidden the fact that my father was there. Um, so, yeah, the the issue and the reason why I actually even got into this work is because it kind of dawned on me, like at the 25 year mark, my brother, it had been such an emotional roller coaster because the laws are so nuanced and convoluted and there's so much in the way that the sentencing happens in the way that we we have our laws here in the United States. It's really effed up. And so I say all that to say that it's been an emotional roller coaster for us. So most of the time there'll be some new great law that'll come down and it won't apply to him because it either lacks retroactivity, mm. which means it doesn't apply to old cases. So it can help people that are coming into um, the law or coming into or will be coming into the law. But for people that are already incarcerated, it doesn't help them. So, um, that happens so many times that after a while it just becomes completely frustrating and just like whatever. So when my father, um, when, when it came time that Obama said that he wanted to reform the criminal justice system and he actually said he wanted to right the wrongs and repair those, you know, those people that had been unfairly, um, incarcerated, I felt like, Oh my God, this is the moment. Like I need to say something. So once I did, what really propelled me to do it was the fact that my son and my nephew have never met my father outside of prison walls. And my father has made such an impression on not just myself, but also my son, uh, my siblings. Like we, he left some indelible memories that we just never have forgotten about that. I felt like, damn, I, I want them to experience that. Like I want them to know who he is you know, they only get glimpses of him because we have to sit in the visiting room, you know, across from him. And, you know, we, we can't really do anything. They don't have cards there. They don't have checkers. You know, we can't walk around. We got to just literally just sit across from him and, and have a conversation. So that's the only way that they've known him. They get to hug him when they get there and then they get to hug him at the end of the visit. But, you know, it's through conversations. And for little kids having to sit still, you know, you don't really get to know, uh, yeah. you know, someone. But, you know, he's made like he has in our lives. He's made a concerted effort to call them. You know, everyone has cell phones now, so he's made a concerted effort to call them, to email them. He has access to email. And, no, they, they have real relationships with him, which is beautiful. Again, it's a testament to um, who he is. But it's hard, it's heartbreaking because it's like, damn, it's another generation that has to experience this. So, um yeah, my son is like really upset about that. And he does still want to become a lawyer. So mm. <laughs> uh, hopefully he will be the lawyer. I didn't go, I didn't finish law school. I actually got into this work. So that was like, I was in the throes of actually studying for the LSAT or Obama made that announcement and I could have gotten to this work. So I chose the route to go, you know, to go help my dad and damn, it's opened up incredible, incredible avenues for me. I'm actually working on a third iteration of what has now become this digital campaign that I produced with um, Google called the Google Love Letters campaign. And I've been spearheading and producing that campaign with Google for the past two years. And now this will be the third year. And, um, you know, hopefully it looks like we're going to have um, Meek Mill associated with the Google campaign and I'm excited about, you know, just this work and, and, and hopefully that, uh, you know, we can create greater awareness about this issue so that people know that they don't have to feel shame and stigma around parental incarceration. And also just be an example for other parents and family members that are going through this, fathers um, who may have been formerly incarcerated or are incarcerated if they do hear this, to let them know the the key to um, 
to relationships with their children is just just consistency. Kids need consistency. That's the bottom line of it. Daughters, sons, they need consistency. So if you're consistent, that speaks volumes. That goes way beyond buying anything. That goes way beyond, you know, um, spending money, giving money. Like that goes way. It's the consistency. So that's that's what that would be my um, take on fatherhood. In life, consistency is just yeah, yeah, everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. So so Ev, we're we're approaching the end of this lovely conversation, but before <laughs> we do. I would like, I know you've got a couple things happening that I think are important for, for you to share. And I think our public, you know, our, our listeners would, would appreciate hearing it. I know there's a rally coming up. I know there's a few things that you got popping. Do you, you want to take a minute or two just to talk about that and where people can reach you and find out more about what you're doing? Yeah. So we are based in New York. We're a national organization. We got us now is based in New York, but we're a national organization. And um, we are currently, so the part of the work that we do is we, we work from three places. We create digital narratives and storytelling. Um, we also create safe and inclusive spaces for our community once we identify them. And then we also work to uh, work around some of the criminal justice reform because we want to really actually make change. So um, one thing that we're doing here in New York State is that there are three visiting bills that are currently pending at the governor's office, and we want to get them passed. And these these bills are all solely related around visiting um, and visiting children and and family members. And so we want to ensure that children have the opportunity to always visit their parents if they ever end up in this circumstance. And so um, we're hosting a press conference on May 10th at the Harlem State Building. Um, but that's going to be an afternoon and that's a weekday. So children probably won't be able, won't be likely to be able to, to attend. So, so as to not forget about them, we are hosting a rally on Saturday, May 11th and it's mother's day weekend. And this is basically the launch to our five week campaign around mother's day and father's day leading up to the love letters campaign that we'll launch um, before father's day weekend. Um, but yeah, just trying to, create as much awareness about these bills, trying to get these bills passed before the session ends. And people can sign a petition that we have on wegotusnow.org. Exactly, wegotusnow.org. You can sign a petition um, that we have there. We're trying to get 20,000 signatures. 20,000 signatures represents 1% of New York State's population. And we want to show the governor that we are serious. So as much support that everyone can give as possible to keep our families connected because that is the aim to keep our families connected regardless. Thank mm. you guys. Hey, wait, real quick. What, what exactly is the Google campaign again? Like explain that a little bit more. Okay. So, so the Google campaign is a digital campaign to show the unbreakable bond between an incarcerated parent and their child. This all stemmed from me um, having the opportunity to meet with some Google executives at a dinner that they hosted after this event that I went to at the White House. They pulled me to the side and said, we saw your campaign that you created for your father. So when I first got into this work, I created this campaign called Hope for Father's Day. And they saw that campaign and they were like, we really want to do something around Mother's Day and Father's Day. You know, let's shoot around some ideas. So we came up with um, love letters. Basically, is like a take 
on my experience with my dad. My father, like I said, has always been consistent. He always wrote letters. He always sent birthday cards, holiday cards every year, just very consistent, always. Like still to this day, he just sends like birthday cards, holiday cards, always. So they were like, we want to take, we want to do something to support that that relationship and what does that look like on a bigger scale so we can help other people. And so basically taking a, a take of that, we went on to um, produce what has become now um, this digital campaign called Love Letters. And if you go to We Got Us Now, you'll see our campaign from last year, um, which features Taylor Schilling from Orange is the New Black. She um, did our our campaign last year, but the year before for Father's Day, we had John Legend introduce the video. So this year we're going to get someone else to introduce the video. And um, I, I highly really recommend, I highly recommend people watch it. It's a tear jerker and a half, but it, it, it was one of the reasons why I became uh, interested in working with Ebony. Uh, at we got us now because I had no idea because I've never been personally impacted by, you know, parental incarceration, all the things that kids have to endure being, you know, on the outside of the fence, so to speak. It's wild. So I highly recommend you guys check that out and, and get down because it affects all of us one way, shape or another. Mm-hmm. Thank e- you for saying that. Ebony, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to be with us. This is Mother's Month here at Fatherhood, so we wish you a very happy Mother's Day. And thank you, uh, thank you. And yeah, man, continue the fight because this you're doing a hell of a job. So thank you. Yeah, for thank that. you for everything you do. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, guys, for actually putting this podcast together because I think it's really important for fathers to speak up um, and be lifted up. So, like, even this Father's Day. Um, I would ask, even if you guys, you know, I'd love for you all to be a part of some of the work that we're doing. So, you know, if there's anything that we can do on our end to lift up, you know, fatherhoods and the work that you all are doing, I think it's a really important voice, particularly around parenting and fatherhood. Fatherhood is just, it's just so important. So um, if there's anything that I can uh, do on my end to help support you all, just let me know. Thank you. Thank you. You already took that step being here. So we'll we'll definitely uh, let you know. All right. All right. Y'all take care. Thank you. All right. Thanks. All right. Bye.